Welcome. What up? To the Habits of the Few. What we got for them? Where we discuss habits, rituals, and mindset tactics that you can use to reach your version of success. Yeah. And now, here's your host, Mona Bolsi. What's up, everybody? What's up, people? Hope you guys are doing all right during this uh, coronavirus lockdown. <clears throat> Today, I have a wonderful, wonderful guest. His name is James Gordon. Just kidding. Uh, Joe Ingram, the BTC sales genius, the personal development rock star, the, the, the life coach, the entrepreneur, the renaissance man, the comedian. This guy is multifaceted. He's absolutely incredible. Uh, he defines stoicism. He is an incredible human being. I'm very happy to have him on the show. Please sit back, relax, get your tea, get your coffee, get your whiskey and enjoy the show. So I look at it and I go, okay, I go, now I do these self-help seminar things that I do once a month, right? For free. And we invite people in. And so my brother comes to one and then he gets through and he's like, I didn't, he took him longer to do the exercises than anybody else. Right. And I was like, okay, but I started it all off. I said, how many people in here are control freaks like me? Right. And then they go, yeah, yeah. And he didn't raise his hand. He was just like, uh-huh. And I said, so when I tell you to do something, so when somebody tells me to do something, my brain immediately goes, don't tell me what to do. Right. Right. That's, that's automatically what happens in my head. And even if you were trying to coach me on something, I go, I could pay you to coach me and go through and you'll go, hey, pick that up. And I'll be like, don't tell me what to do. I'll pick it up if I feel like it. That's what goes on in my head. Okay. So I said, so when I tell you something, right, when I tell you something, I want you to repeat it to yourself. So you are telling yourself. Right. And so and he was like, right. And so now I'm programming myself. So I go. Hey, pick that up. And I go, you know what? I'm going to pick that up because I want to, not because you told me. So when you do that, you're now telling yourself, which is the person you're allowing to tell you what to do. Okay. And so then I, then you go do it. So we get the result, but we just have to frame it in a way your brain can process. And so he says, he went through everything. And he was like, I didn't get as much out of it as I thought. And I was like, okay. And then, so the next one, he said, Hey, can I work the next one? because I saw what everybody else got out of the class and the benefits of it. And I was like, absolutely, you can work it. So he came to the back. He went through and did the exercises the second time, right? And he was like blown away because he got better results than everybody else did from the first two classes. And then he came up and he goes, I couldn't listen to you the first time because it was my brother telling me what to do. And he goes, and I didn't even know I had that chip on my shoulder. He goes, I was just envious of the fact that other people were getting results from what you were teaching. And I was like, well, at least I can participate in it by helping other people. But in the fact that he went through the exercises again with, with the goal of helping somebody else, instead of I have to listen to my brother, then all of a sudden he got the benefit. And he was like, wow. And so out of the six classes we did, he attended the first one and he worked the last five. Wow. Right. For free. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, good. We're going to try. I want you to teach part of the class now. I said, there's Dr. Bill and I, and, and I want you to teach part of it. And he's like, but I need to master it. I need I go, okay, great. Well, we're doing our first virtual one this Thursday. 
because we weren't sure how to get it to go virtual because there's a lot of work and I got to make sure people are at the same spot all the way through. And so I said, we're going to do it virtual. And he was like, okay, yeah, I should be able to make it. I go, I want you operating the chat. And he's like, what? Like, so answer the questions. And I go, yep. He goes, and if there's anything above me, I can stop you and do it. I said, absolutely. And he's like, I'm game. But I have to walk him through the baby step process of me needing his help so that he could then understand that he's helping, not being told. Got it. So it's all in the framework. The, this isn't the 2 p.m. class that you take, right? No, that's Wednesday's 2 p.m. That, that's a sales meeting one. The, that's Wednesdays at 2? I thought you were doing those every day at 2. No, Wednesday at 2. Okay. Once, once a week, the war because game. I, I think I saw him on one of those calls. He's on every one of them. Okay. He's a, real, he's a real estate agent. So, okay. So he comes on every time on Wednesdays, but. So how is he doing now? <clears throat> he's still selling. He's still doing it. All right. And he says, he goes, I've learned so much from you because you taught me how to get rid of the shit in my head. Right. So the, the Thursday class that we're doing is called unpacking. So I teach you how to unpack all of the bullshit that you have, all of those things your parents put in your head before you were seven that you're still walking around with identifying yourself at. And so we teach you how to unpack it. So I say everybody's walking around with a backpack on full of all of the hurt, the guilt, right? All of the anger, the sadness that you're carrying it around with you and you carry it from relationship to relationship, job to job, business to business, right? You now pass it on to your kids because you don't know any better. Okay. And so I said, we're going to teach you to unpack. So that's our class one. The second class is going to be, how do you refill the backpack with the things you want to do? Reminds me of a better version of that movie with what's his face. You know what I'm talking about? Mm. It was, um, who's the handsome man that everybody talks about? George Clooney. Oh, Clooney. You too. You too. Uh, what is it called? It's a, He's a salesman. He's he. His job is basically going up in the air, guy. Up in the air. Yep. He goes and and fires people on. on yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does a seminar where he's talking about unpacking, but it's so vague and and specific to that. I like it. I like the methodology. Uh, Thursday at two. Uh, it's Thursday from eleven to three. Damn. Yeah. So we don't, we normally do it live from 11 to three, but it's, it, it is a three day class that we put into four hours. Oh, wow. So we, we understand. Is this the, is this the first virtual one or, or yeah, it's the first virtual one. So, so I built my little funnel to capture the information and put it out there. And I said, we, we said only 10 seats is what we're going to do because we need to make sure we can actually monitor it. So there's two of us that present. So my buddy, Dr. Bill, who's the nutrition, fitness, and the anti-stress guy, okay, he's a chiropractor. And so he does he does the beginning section where he talks about the effects of stress on your body, how you can do things. He does a little NLP, like, dislike kind of stuff. And then he flips it over to me. And then I do energetically cutting people out of your life, right? How to energetically do it. And then I then I go into releasing the emotions you're carrying right so there's things you've done to your kids that you didn't know you did because guess what we didn't know how to be parents we only had our parents as an example right. and, and no matter how many times you say i'm ready to have children you weren't ready right because once you have them is when you learn what you, you're missing it's like smoking eggs 
right? I was, I was smoking eggs because I thought I knew everything I needed to know. And then I realized I'm doing it all wrong, but it's so easy to watch mom do it, you know, and that kind of thing. So that's what we go in and we, we unpack it so that you can actually empty it out. So, I mean, I've got testimonials like a motherfucker from these people. And so I, I bet. So you're doing a lot of stuff from your traditional BDC right. sales training, deal, you know, working with automotive clients, big time guys to hosting free trainings, just providing value and actually helping people to it's now a, these seminars. Back. It's a give back. Yeah. We, we will, we're going to build, we're building out. We just sat there like two weekends ago. I went to his house on Saturday, despite social distancing. Right. Um, we went out there and we mapped out the three different courses on what we're going to put in each one. And so the third course is going to be a monthly uh, accountability, like a Facebook group. And it's going to be 10 bucks a month. That's it. But it's going to be about how do you impact and do all this other stuff. But which right. is very reasonable and and that's what we want we want a little skin in the game right. to justify somewhat of our time but the whole reason we do this is truly to say let's give back because we've already we've already done it, right and so it's it's thousands of dollars that i've spent to get through the training thousands of dollars that bill has spent going through the training and so we're like let's put it all together and give out some free stuff but my buddy does one now that's virtual that both he and I have gone to. Um, but Michael Stevenson, he does 50 bucks for all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And that's the same course that we've condensed into four hours. So my answer is if you can't dedicate four hours to it, then don't join it. Right. You're, we're going to let you have bathroom breaks right? It's not like we're going to say four hours, sit in a chair, let's go. But there's going to be exercises that have to be done. But if I were to teach you one part of it, and then you logged off and went away, it could seriously jack you up, right? I have everybody sign waivers when they come to our class. You're kidding. No, I say, look, there's when you're dealing with the mind. Okay, so Bill talks about body, I talk about mind. And so we go through, but everybody walks out with the actual ability to continually do this for the rest of their life, right? You can continuously unpack, okay? If you think about something right now, if I said, Mo, give me an example of something that really pissed you off, that if you told me the story right now, you'd get pissed again, right? Something comes to, something comes to mind, it's your little brother. But besides that, right, you can come in, but truly you shouldn't be experiencing the anger again because it's done. It's gone and done. You're going back to a past memory and there's a video playing. Yeah. And I, all I'm going to do is we're going to take that flipping gigabyte worth of video and we're going to change it to a script in a word doc. So you have everything that happened but there's no emotion attached. And then if I delete the video and replace it with the word doc, what did I just free up on your computer? Working space, your RAM, your, your actual ability to process things is there because I just got rid of a gig for something that's 10 K. Right. And so we do that with all the major negative emotions and then you'll know how to clean the hard drive every time you want to. Should you be sad sometimes? Sure. 
right? If you think back about somebody who passed away, you can say, I miss them, blah, blah, blah. But it shouldn't be like, I, I worked with a girl the other day, virtually, that's what I, my test subject was. But her brother died four years ago. And her identity is, I'm the survivor of my brother's suicide. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? She's like, yeah, my brother committed suicide. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, okay, so you got guilt issues. You've got sadness issues. You've probably got some fear issues yourself that you're all associating to your brother committing suicide and you need to get rid of it, right? You need to stop carrying that around. You said that I'm the survivor of my brother's suicide? Yeah. She so her identity, like her, yeah, her, yeah, isn't it? Her identity is that, but we do this all the time, right? Well, you know, I'm actually the result of, you know, bad parenting. Yeah. Shut up. You are not, right? The, whatever you went through, there's somebody who succeeded because of it, and there's somebody who failed, right? Because they were a victim of it. Right. And so it's just about doing a reframe and doing some other stuff. So, but that's me on my soapbox. But. <laughs> so, out of everything that you got going on, what is the thing that has you? I probably already know the answer, but what is the thing that that you're the most passionate about? That most passionate about is, uh, and we talked about it last night, uh, regardless of the arena, whether it's sales training, whether it's phone, whether, you know, my specialty is getting the virtual person to come and buy from your brick and mortar, or like I have eBay companies that are clients. How do I get them to feel valued, buy the product, and then be satisfied with it? So you can get multiple purchases. All of that stuff is great. But what I look for is the light, the spark that goes in your eyes when all of a sudden I realize I changed you forever in the way you look at things. So when I have a group of people that I'm sitting there talking and all of a sudden they go, ah, right? So if I gave you one tip that you went, holy crap, I never looked at it that way. And I could execute that because you taught me how to execute it. Then I know I've changed your ability not your end result. I've changed your ability to make more money, right? Because you now have something in your tool belt that you could use. Now, there's people out there that every, to a to a hammer, everything is a nail, right? Right. So then you go, oh look, here's a screw. They're like, hit it harder. You're like, that that doesn't make sense, right? But to to a hammer, I have no other choice. And so when I give you an extra tool in your tool belt, I know that I just helped you. And I know that if I trained you on how to do it and you executed properly, you will have more money, which affects your immediate situation, which will affect your family, both up and down, okay? And sideways, let's be real. If it changes you permanently because of that, then I have, right, altered the trajectory of your family. And ultimately, like for me, I want to build businesses that create generational wealth. And that's what I'm looking for is how do I do that? Now, I have somebody that I trained at one of the dealerships that came from a Subway, but had a good attitude and a great work ethic, right? She went from Subway to a restaurant as a server. So, we go in, we run ads for these dealerships in the restaurant field. Really? Tell, yeah. Okay. You can tell your buddy about this one, right? You go onto Craigslist and run one for the server. Okay. Run an ad because what do what are servers used to doing? 
Customer service. Working long hours. Yeah. Right? Their customer service justifies what? Their tip. Right. So they're used to working long hours, working all holidays, getting paid minimum wage, and the commission is the tips they get to take home. So now if I take somebody with a natural skill set to help people, I just got to teach them a product line instead of a menu. Right. And then they've already got the work ethic. They already got the stuff that's there. So I've got the raw materials to work with. Now I sit down and teach them that. But I took a girl who was, she was 18 or 19 years old that was working in the restaurant. She had two kids already. Okay. And then she came in, answered the ad, came into my, my, my bride's dealership and she sat down and I go in and do all the training, right? She's got a hookup. So I go in, I do all the training. So she goes through and she, all she does is soak it up. She's like, who am I? I'm not arrogant enough to think I know more than the person getting paid to come in and teach us. So she just sat down and took everything that we had. And so she took everything, absorbed it. Like I have a phone call guide. So I build this call guide for them on how to take an inbound phone call when somebody's trying to buy a product from you. How do you do it? How do you walk them through the processes so that they feel confident in you, that they understand you're not trying to hose them, right? And they'll set an appointment with you. Well, for two years, she walked around with a copy of it in her back pocket. So if the phone rang, she could stop at anybody's desk and grab the phone. So if they weren't with a customer, she'd just reach over and grab the phone and pull that out of her pocket and read it. Okay? So it just, just beast mode. But that was her answer was I'll outwork you and I'm not going to rewrite the process that was there. So she sold. Now I showed you on that slide before, right? The average dealership does 80, 87 cars a month right across the U S and so that's franchise dealerships in one month. She sold 61 and a half cars by herself herself. Wow. Her life was changed, huh? Oh yeah. So now she's 20 something. She was at my house yesterday. She came over with the kids. So now she has three kids, but she's got a house. She pays for her mother's rent where she lives. Okay. She has three cars now and all of her immediate siblings have all been pushed to a new level of expectancy from the family. So everybody's not just going, Hey, I'll go work fast food. They're like, oh, no, I need to work something that's commission-based because look how much money she made, right? You take a 20-year-old and she makes 10 grand in a month, right? The envisionment changes of that person. Oh, yeah. Right? I deal with kids all the time. They come in, they go to interview, and I'm like, okay, what's the most you ever made? They're like, three grand in a month. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. So to me, right, I sit back and I go, so if I got you to 3,800 or four grand, would that change your lifestyle today? And they all go, yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. Right now I got somebody who comes from working part-time in retail comes in, he goes, well, the most I've ever made is like a grand and I live at home. And I'm like, so if I got you to two grand, would that, would that help you to help your parents pay for whatever is there? Right. Some bill you could pick up. Maybe you can pay them for the food you keep eating. Right. And they're like, well, yeah. So then I do an interview. I'm like, hey, this kid's got potential. He's got this and that. And then a sales manager goes in and starts talking to him about making seven, eight, nine grand a month. Right. And I look at him and I go, what are you doing? He can't see that. 
that's just pie in the sky kind of BS. To him, you're packing him and he can feel the insincerity. Yes, you know you can get people there, but this kid can't see that. You can't make $1,000 a month and see eight grand, right? It makes no sense. There isn't anything other than winning the lottery that you could then see getting eight times whatever your actual income is. What kind of person do you have to become to make eight times more than what you're currently making? Right. Right. And are, is that person willing to become that next level version of themselves to justify that comp? Cause there's a lot of work in between you and I both know that. Right. It, it takes a lot to jump and try to grow wings on the way down. Okay. And I'm not even that person. I mean, My you can look at like some of the most, um, some of the, some of the like best situations and the worst situations have come out of the e-commerce industry, particularly drop shipping. You're seeing kids that are in their teens, right? 18, 19, 20, 21, making more money than they ever have. Not realizing, cause I've worked with them directly. And I can tell you that 90% of them, uh, unless they're being steered properly, they're burning that business to the ground because they see it as, oh, I'm putting, you know, I'm putting five grand in and I'm getting 20,000 out, but they don't, they don't estimate everything else that's coming into play. And it's really not five grand. They're probably putting close to nine into it to get 20. And then they have to pay all these vendors and they have to do this and they have fees and all that. So at the end of the day, their profit is like 1500 bucks. And they're like, oh, we made so much money. And the ones that really do make money, the profit margins are 4X or 5X. What happens is, is that they just, they just stop. They just spend and spend and spend. And then they burn out and the company goes under. And now they're back to square one because they're not accustomed to that kind of money before. Like they've never made that much money before. And it's, I mean, I was, when I started making money, I was in my late 20s. And, and I was like, I didn't, re I'm not a big spender. Like I don't buy fancy things other than watches like that's it other than that but i was ordering on amazon like the most random shit there was like three four boxes at my house every day like, oh honey we need a new broom i got these glass set from amazon and it was just like i looked at the statement at the end of the year i'm like what did i buy like right. i can't believe i spent that much money and obviously money management plays a role but like you said there's a lot of development that happens within that time frame so I can't even imagine like being 20 years old saying I can make eight grand. Like yeah. dude, I've only made like 1500, like at most at that time. Like I would poop my pants. Yeah. I, you know, like, okay, let's do that. And then you get enticed and then your whole psychological, it's just a shit show waiting to happen. So what yeah. happens? Let me ask you this. What happens? Do you have to, do you have to basically start from scratch? Is that person basic? That kid is just like, he's out. What happens when the sales manager kind of disrupts, your entire training process. So if it is, I will tell you that it takes a lot of character to get past that because the immediate gratification, I mean, our whole world is built on immediate gratification. Right. Okay. Is Amazon the cheapest? No. But can you get it tomorrow for free shipping if you make a monthly payment to be part of the free shipping package, right? Yeah. So, but again, so it's immediate gratification. So if I can get immediate gratification, I want to take it and go with it. But if you set the actual ideal goal for this person too far above, like I'm never one of the, I, I understand people go, you need to set some crazy ass big goals. And I'm like, 
that sets you up for your your mental speak. Only once you've had enough accomplishments of goals can you set something crazy. Otherwise, you're setting up someone to just be wrecked. And right. so this person gets a check for minimum wage times the hours they work. That's what they had before. Right? So why not tell them they can make a little bit more? If you come in and go, hey, Mr. $1,000 working 10 hours, right, a month, you're like, hey, I can get I can get you this. And you're like, no, that doesn't make sense. Right? If you can broaden their vision, you set them up for failure. Right? You have to incrementally move them up the scale. And that's a long-term employee because you never lied to me. And that's the issue you have, right? What's the biggest issue that clients have with salespeople? They lie. Mm -hmm. They told me what I wanted to hear. Well, did you lie or did you set an expectation that couldn't be met by anybody? Okay. And then what has to happen? The issue has to get up to the part person at the top who's going to say, give it away. Or they're going to say, F you, and you end up with the online reviews that hurt you. Right. Right. And then they're going to do what? They're going to ask you to say, okay, if I see a bad score, I go look to see how did they address it? Right. What did the company address it with? If the company's like, well, that's because you're stupid and you don't understand the way the world works. Then I go, that's not a business I truly want to do business with. Okay. And it matters. So when you look at that and go, okay, great. Now I've set somebody up to fail. You're doing it all day long. The difference is there is no website to go check on what we promise versus what we deliver as individuals. Right. Right. If you work for a company, they can mention you by name. Right. And then you, then people realize, oh, I don't want this guy. Right. One of the <laughs> side note, one of the trip tricks I used to do to get everybody to take care of my customers. Well, Right. Because I say I do training now. Prior to this, I walk all the walk. OK. And I ran dealerships and I put them together. I've run software companies and things like that. But in any time you have a brick and mortar and you have survey capability of your clients, I would then take the person that I am actually dealing with, my salesperson, and I would do a board with all my salespeople and their monthly customer satisfaction score up on the wall in the showroom or in the lobby where people come in. Okay. So if you have a 67% and you look over and go, well, Mark has a 98%. What are you going to focus on as the salesperson? Right. Making sure yours, because a customer walks in with you, looks over and goes, Oh, wait, can I talk to one of the ones that like to take care of their customers? <laughs> right. And now you have to go turn this deal to somebody who's on the board that's leading as opposed to somebody who's at the bottom. Right. I don't want to work with that. When you walk in, you want to work with the salesperson of the month. That's why they put their name out on the boards wherever you go. It's like our salesperson of the month is this person. This guy sold more RVs than anybody. Okay. But you don't want the guy you walk in and the guy goes, yes, I have the worst customer satisfaction of any salesperson in this establishment. You don't want to work with that person. So I put it out there and say, here's who they are. Right. And then they go, well, uh, I'm like, I guess you better find a customer who doesn't care about that and treat them right. So they're going to do this because any issue that came to me, I used to tell all my managers this in the beginning. I say, look, let's we're going to work together. When I say we're going to work together, it means I'm going to explain at nauseum, I will explain to you my thought process in every situation that has to be escalated to me. 
and I will explain to you why I'm doing what I'm doing, what, what it matters, why would we do this, blah, blah, blah. So that when I'm not here, you can make the same decision because you now know how I think. And when you do that, now all of a sudden they understand, you know what I need to do? What do you need to do? I need to just solve the problem up front because that's what Joe would be doing. Right? So WWJD, what would Joe do? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's what I want all of my employees thinking. All of my trainers, the answer is if a client's upset about something, handle it right there. Because I'm going to give them what they want if they get to me. So do you want to hold on to your ego and that you're right, you're right, you're right, and then I end up giving it away? Or do you want to be the hero right now? You could step in and go, let me make it right. Because you have enough room where you don't have to give away everything. Where when it gets to me, I can't afford this bad Yelp review or this bad Google review. I need to have the marketplace know that I'm a stand-up person and my business doesn't take advantage of people. That's how I get repeat customers. That's how I gain prospects, right? I was running the number one Chrysler Dodge Jeep store in the nation. And I'm sitting down at my desk working and I get a phone call. And the person's like, hi. Now I'm in Huntington Beach. The client calling is in San Diego, right? They're gonna pass 25 dealerships on their way to my store. And the person goes, hi, um, my name is so-and-so. My son is interested in this vehicle. Right. And I want to know what it takes for me to come by this vehicle. And I said, well, the first thing I want to say is I am sorry. Who in my staff is preventing you from being able to do that? <laughs> right. And the guy, the guy goes, um, oh, no one, no one. You're the first person I called. I said, oh, well, as the general sales manager, I typically only get it if somebody is fighting you to, to make a deal. And he goes, no, I went on Yelp and you're the one with the most positive statements about you. And I saw your name. So I said, I should just call you. I didn't even know you were the manager. And I was like, oh, fantastic. Well, the vehicle's online for this price. It requires this, bring this, this, and this. Come up and ask for me. And the guy was like, okay, it's going to take me two hours to get there. And I was like, fantastic. <laughs> and the guy was like, okay, and came in. But again, my, my automatic reaction was, this is heat. This is somebody who's coming after me because they called in. It was an advertised vehicle. And now somebody's going, well, I don't want to sell an advertised vehicle. Click. Right. Or they're going to tell them, you need to do this, this, this. And the guy's like, what? I have to call you back and stand on one foot. Right. And balance a paper plate on my finger. What? And you're like, don't fight it. Right. I tell them all the time. Don't fight it. Just write it. Write up the deal. Get it done. Okay. So... But that's, again, most people miss that point. Most people do. Most people, it goes right over their head. And, and in the automotive space, in California, where I'm at, right, your average consumer buys a car every three and a half years. As a salesperson, I may not be there. As a manager, I plan on being there. And as the business owner, I truly plan on being here three and a half years from now, so I can't afford the you know, cut someone's head off or treat them so bad that they never want to come back. Right. Right. I need you. What, what do I need you more importantly? Right. Especially in automotive and in any business that's out there, you have the sales side and then you have the service side, right? The maintenance, the customer service, the, how do you handle questions, things like that? Well, that one has to be phenomenal once I got it. But too often you have people 
right? And people forget this because a lot of clients I have will sit back. So if I'm if I'm consulting with you, Mo, and you go, you know what? Customer service is the most important part of our business. And I say, okay, that's, when, when do you have a customer? What has to happen to call somebody a customer? They have to acquire them as a customer. They have to- They have to buy something. Yeah. So the most important thing is not customer satisfaction, it's sales satisfaction, okay? Keeping keeping a customer, right, is easy compared to acquiring a customer today because your price point isn't $3, $4, $5, right? The average new car cost at the end of 2019 was $34,400. Is your staff answering the phone, answering the email, or meeting them in person representing at least a $35,000 purchase. That, that's huge. That's huge. Right. And so are they demonstrating now, if I work at a Hyundai dealership where the, and I have Hyundai clients, right? Their top of the line car is 60, 70 grand, right? For their new Telluride or whatever the vehicle is they came out with. Sorry. I don't know them all. So I know sales. I just don't know all the product knowledge. I, I actually saw those. They were pretty nice. Yeah, they are pretty nice, right? They stepped up their game. Yeah. It, when you look at that, the person who is used to selling your entry-level vehicles can't sell your top-of-the-line vehicle. But if everybody treats every customer as the top-of-the-line customer, isn't that going to make the, the rest of the line even better? But most people forget. They go, no, no, I have a specialist for that car. Right. And so that means if you don't get this car, you're not going to get the best guy. And it's like, that's not the deal. The, teach everybody how to sell. Teach everybody the steps that make it, okay? I work with fairly large Ford dealerships now. Raptors are a hundred grand for a truck. If you're, and you're looking at Shelby, Roush, all these custom different levels that can get you to 120, 130 grand. And I got salespeople that are typing on their cell phones, putting little heart emojis while they're texting a customer trying to buy a $100,000 truck. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they're like, customers love this. I said, okay, as a salesperson, something only has to work once for me to say it works all the time. Right? I go, I go, yeah, I can skip every process step you taught me because it worked that one time. And you're like, can we look at the 99 other times out of 100 that it didn't work? Right. And they're like, um, no, because I only I don't want to be negative. I want to focus. No, I don't want you to focus negative or positive. I want you to keep track of the activities that you do that yield the biggest result. So putting little hard eyes, that's great. My customer buying a hundred and twenty thousand dollar vehicle is not a 13 year old girl who's going to talk in emoji only. So why are you putting it out there? If a customer, if a prospect wants to use emojis, let them but I still have to represent I'm worthy of a $100,000 purchase. And are you acting that way even when the customer's calling on a $10,000 used car? Okay, and I always say, there's Motel 6 and there's Ritz-Carlton. Okay, which one do you pay more for? The Ritz. The Ritz, okay. So if you paid more for the Ritz, do you expect a better experience than just leaving the light on for you? Absolutely. Okay. And so if that's the situation and saying, okay, I expect more. Now, if I took the managers from each establishment and switched them, 
Would you be okay going to Motel 6 and getting a Ritz-Carlton built process? Yep. Okay. Would you be okay paying Ritz-Carlton prices and getting a Motel 6 experience? Hell no. Not at all. And the answer to everybody is that's so obvious. But then why aren't we investing everybody in everybody to be the the, the actual elite in customer service, which is Ritz-Carlton? And, and most people don't get it. And most business owners don't get it. Okay. And it's the level of service that you deliver. Do you know who's the most trained individual in the Ritz-Carlton? The concierge? The housekeeping staff. Okay. Who runs into people more than anybody else? Housekeeping. Housekeeping has more customer interaction than anybody else, and they go through twice the training as a manager Mm. per year. Okay. Why? Because they're there. Now, don't, don't be the jerk when I give you the numbers, right? And go, I'm going to go stay at the Ritz-Carlton and treat everybody like crap. But the housekeeping staff, each housekeeper, right? So the person who makes up your room, each person that's delivering for your, your bellhops or anybody else, all of the housekeeping staff that brings your food, all that stuff, those people have been given over, okay, let's just say just under two grand per customer to spend during your stay before they even get a manager involved. So if you walk in and the person's still cleaning your room and you're like, oh, I just can't, I needed to, they're like, they the housekeeper can look at you and go, why don't you go down by the pool and I'll have a bottle of champagne sent out to you there and I apologize for the inconvenience of the room not being ready. You're kidding me. Nope. Because they know if that happened, you forgive the fact the room was not done. You won't go online and give a bad review because the room wasn't done because you've been excessively compensated on that. They can go, why don't you I go mean, to the in-house yeah, restaurant and get food? That's genius. Yeah, absolutely. It's genius. But and, and how much are people paying per room? I want to go be a dick for a day and see what happens. That's what I, that's what I said. <laughs> I have to tell everybody's like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go down there because like the Ritz-Carlton down in Newport Beach or Laguna, wherever it is over here, they have a little cigar lounge and, Ooh. right? And I'm like, I go in there all the time. You see people yelling and screaming and they're getting free food. They're getting, and I'm like, I, for one, as a business owner, I wouldn't want you as a client because you're trying to take advantage of the system. Right, right. But how many people do you want, how many celebrities do you want tweeting a picture from the Rich Carlton that you're managing so that anybody else who's not at celebrity status still says, for my anniversary, I'm going to go stay a night. I'm going to go pay $800, $1,000 a night to have a room, okay, because it's going to be that, that worth it to my significant other to know what it is. And so, again, do they have to give away just under two grand to every person? No. It's in the situations where they screw up. The answer is you've been authorized to do this. Now, if the person goes, I want that dress that's in the gift shop window for four grand, guess what? Housekeeping is making a phone call to a manager and the manager can handle it because they've been trained to handle it. But when you empower every level of your staff to make the customer happy, you end up with more customers, more repeats. And guess what? The gross profit on a repeat customer is always higher regardless of your industry. Right. Because why? I've demonstrated to you that I've provided customer service and the ability for you to make more money. Because I'm going to pay for service. I hope they pay their maids pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. They have very little turnover. That's good. Because why? If I'm continuously training you, 
right? You feel that the, the, the actual owner believes in you and is investing in you. So your loyalty goes right back. Yep. And so, and that's where we get, that's where I've had a lot of issues right now in our freaked out economy is that people aren't recognizing the fact that if you invested in your staff, that maybe you had to, you know, furlough or lay off and hope they'll come back because nobody can get out to go buy things without appointments or anything else that's out there. Right. Um, if you can't, if you can't do that, but you invest in your staff, they'll be there when the floodgates open up again. Okay. And so many times I get from owners of companies, the short sighted thinking, well, what if I invest in training them and they leave? I'm like, but what if you don't invest in them and they stay? right? They're going to cost you more deals than that. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be worth it. And investing in your staff, and this again, coming from a guy who sells training, but it's still, if you invest in the team, stop and realize every time somebody trained you on something, you came out a better person, right? Unless your ego was not checked and you were saying, you know, more than everybody else. I hate those people. Yeah. And I mean, I've taken two dealerships to a thousand units a month. Wow. Where I was in charge as the GSM. So I was in charge of the sales department, putting it all in there. A thousand cars a month. The average dealership's doing 87, right? Across the U.S. So I can conveniently call Grant and go, I 10 x it, buddy, right? And get it done. But are you, if you look at it, where did, did I do it? No. But I had a team But you people. influenced it. You influenced right. it. I put in the I put in the systems and processes, right? Three things determine your success as a business owner. Your product, your process, and your people. The three P's that are important, okay? You don't typically have to worry about your product if somebody's actually showing interest in purchasing. So then it's a person or a process. If you build bulletproof processes, then the only issue you have is, are you hiring the right people? Are you investing in them to get them going? My interviews are typically, no doubt, 40 minutes to an hour if I'm interviewing somebody. And I I have clients that I have that I'm training their people. They're like, can you interview this person? We're not gonna put anybody into your training program unless you say it's worth it to get it done. And I'm like, fantastic. And I'll sit down and go, okay, great. Guess what? The average person for an interview can fluff 20 minutes without an issue, right? When I go 40 minutes, I'm asking you the same question that was earlier on, and I got a completely different answer uh, because you weren't prepared to hear it a second way. You thought you danced past it in the beginning, right? I'm a team player. I'm always focused on making sure the company's still here later, right? And everything else you can Google. I sat with one guy and I said, okay, what questions do you have of me? And he looked at me and he goes, I want to know um, what's the avenue for growth? What's the next level promotion that I could be going for? And what's the time frame for that? And I said, did you miss the next question on Google's guide to interviewing? <laughs> and he was like, what? And I said, you want to, I, you put it in your phone, didn't you? You put it in your phone. That's just the only ones you remembered. And he was like, he was, he looks over and he goes, pulls up his phone <laughs> and he's like, Oh yeah, I missed the, you know, how long does it take before I can see management position from where I'm at? <laughs> and I was like, I know, bro, because I, I watch it too. I understand, right? And he's like, 
He goes, okay. I said, so for real now, what's your question? Not the one that every interviewer is supposed to be excited about. And so, again, it's attention to the details. Are you, are you, are you a professional in your own trade, regardless of what's there? Right. So regardless of your industry, regardless of your position, have you mastered your position? Because, again, I'm not promoting you until you've mastered your position. And I'm not the guy that says I'm going to keep you stuck in a, in a position just because it's really beneficial for me right now. But I will not promote you if you're the top sales guy and you don't and all I get from you is heat. And it's multiplied by the fact that you're a, a, a top producer. Okay, you're never going to be a manager with me until you learn how to handle everything right and do it without circumventing the process or the system. Because I can't duplicate somebody that doesn't do what I want done. Would you say, not to sidestep too much, but because I was thinking about this when you were speaking, I don't know how long you've been doing this. I'm sure a very long time. What I've been doing is a very long time. I found that Everybody can learn a skill. Like you can teach me how to sell and I can have the format to do so. If I'm a business owner, uh, you can teach me the processes and how to train my staff. What I found though, is that most people downplay how long it actually takes to mastery. I think people expect mastery to be done within like one or two years. Now I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I will say it's taken me almost 18 years to get, even to the point where I am today and I'm nowhere near that nowhere near what I would call mastery. But I also feel like it's this ongoing evolution of just trying to be better than I was yesterday. Right? So how do you overcome obstacles like that with specific people that are really, really eager, especially the younger kids that say, Oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to sell more cars than I ever have. And I'm going to be the best. And I understand the automotive industry is very competitive and constantly. So do you, do you deal with any of that? Is it, is it it chaos? Is it? Well, again, I'm going to be that guy that's going to set you with real expectations. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to sit down with you and say, look, is it possible? Absolutely. It's possible that you'll sell more cars than anybody else. And you'll do this right? Will it happen your second month? I haven't seen it. I'm not going to tell you that you couldn't, but I'm going to say that to you, you have an option to typically your salespeople do this. Boom. I, I sold a bunch, right? And then when you sell a bunch, what do you get? Pretty healthy check. Well, in a big check. You you get that check and you're like, "Uh uh-huh. I get the ego where all of a sudden I know So I made a lot of money and now I know what a real deal looks like. Mm -hmm. And now I go into FBI profiler mode, right? And all your salespeople do this. And then boom, I follow the, into the bottom. Okay. And of course I spent all the money I had during that time. So now I'm back down here at hours for the second month. And then I go, you know what? I got to put my nose to the grindstone, go back to what I know. And it goes back up and it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up and goes down. My answer is, if, if we took the average of the peaks and the valleys and we just made that your income where you could count on it month after month, would that make a difference in your life? Yeah. Right? And the only thing I can do for you, Mo, is to explain the benefit to Mo. Right? If I don't explain the benefit to Mo and I explain it about a arbitrary mystical person that's not there, 
right? So in my class, I would turn around and go, okay, so if we were able to take that average and get it consistently every month, Mo, would that make a difference in your life? Yes. Yeah. Great. Mark, would that make a difference in your life? Yes. Right. And I would go around the room. Okay. So let's test you. Debbie, would it make a difference in your life? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Right? And so I'm going to get buy-in from everybody so that I can recalibrate your thought process. Yeah. And then again, if you made a bunch of money one month and made no money the next month, right? Do you have it in you to save the bunch of money you made just above that average number so that you can use it next month? No. Right. Let's, let's be real. We're in sales. If you're in sales, you're in sales for a reason. You want the big checks. Yep. Right. I'm chasing dollars. Big but, checks, big pecs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can help with that. Yes. <laughs> and so when you, when I look at that and I go, I look at you and even today, either you or I, you can ask the same question. You can say, how much money are you going to make this month? And we're like, don't know, but I'm excited. <laughs> right. And you're like, okay, great. Now my answer is if that's our, if that's our answer, right. Like most salespeople are right. Um, is that a person who's going to follow 10 steps to a sale every time? Is that the person who's going to clock in on time every time? Is that the person? No, it's against the personality. It's against your actual profile. If you're just excited to be there and you have no idea what's going on. I created a meme out of that sentence. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Right. But I can't expect you to follow a process. What I can expect to do is build a process with enough punishment in it for deviating that you will follow it. So the easiest thing for you to do, the shortcut is to follow the process. Yeah. Right. When I build out sales processes, I'm look, this is what happened. If you don't, this is what will happen to you. Now they turn around and they go, do I want what's going to happen to me? Like, again, I'm not a yeller. I'm not a screamer. I don't overreact on things. Right. So I can typically put out a lot of heat because it's not what I do. I'm not going to go, no, I'm going to fight with you back. That's not me. So, but I will put together a process. So if you came up to me, with what we need for a deal and it's not there, right? I turn around and write your name on the, the board behind us under the sales training tab. If you fail to do what I asked you to do with an internet customer or a, a virtual customer on the internet, right? If you fail to handle a chat properly or follow up properly, I write your name on the board under internet. If you take a phone call and totally butcher a phone call that in the automotive space cost me about 300 bucks to make the phone ring in advertising, I'm going to go write your name down there. Well, those are the training classes where you're now going to do it. So I'm going to look and go, hey, Mo, did, let's listen to this phone call together. Click, play the call. Was that the best thing you could do? Was that anything like we trained you to do? No, it wasn't. Great. Guess what you don't get until the next training class we do for phones? Any more calls. Right? So now you go, well, the easiest way to do it is do it your way. And I, I go into dealerships and talk to hundreds and hundreds of salespeople across the nation in Canada. And I walk in, I go, if I tell you this is what your manager has told me to train you on, and this is the way they're expecting you to do it. If you do it and you fail, whose fault is it? It's mine. It's my process. It's my training. It's all of my, it's my fault if you did it my way. But I have people that go, you know what? I tried your way. It doesn't work. And then I go back and listen to the last 10 phone calls you handled and none of them were done my way. And I'm like, so because I trained you, it's now my fault that your numbers suck. What if you did my process? You still did your way. And these are the numbers you normally get, but you want to say, justify why you don't have to change. Because guess what? It's really easy to do the same thing over and over again. 
but only do the same thing over and over again if you get the desired result. And so it's just, it's a painful thing. I just look back and go, my, my answer is always, and I try to get buy-in all the way through. And I say, look, Mo, if I could help you to sell two more products in a month, is it worth it? Yeah. So if you, if I told you, Mo, I can help you get two more clients on your 90 day program, would that be worth it to you? Absolutely. Right now, if you sold a $25 online package and I said, if I got you two more, would it be worth it? Your answer is probably not. You're going to add 50 bucks, 600 a year. Now that's not worth me changing what I'm already doing. Right. Right. But when your ticket is a big ticket item, then I don't have to justify a lot. Right. Right. But to, but again, I can't walk into an owner of a company and say, if I got you just one more deal in a month, it'll pay for my training. Well, why do I want to go through all that for one more deal? Right. I said, well, what if I take your entire staff and tell you I can average 2.2 additional deals a month for them? If you've got 20 salespeople, I just added 40 deals right? As a minimum to your number. Is that worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. Okay. It depends on your average profit and every dealership is different. Okay. So I say, all you need to do is build it up enough for the client to see enough value to do it. And it's the same thing when I'm selling something. How about instead of lowering the price, you just re-edify the product they're buying? Yeah. Cause I've always been taught that <clears throat> if people don't buy or they think your product's too expensive, is because I haven't done a good enough job showing you the value. In. Right. And I will tell you, the thing that the auto manufacturers did to, to really hurt the dealership is they put MSRP. What does that stand for? Manufacturer suggested retail price, which automatically implies there's room. Yep. Right. And I'll tell you, over the last 15 years, I've been in this business 20 years right? I always had a side hustle, which is what I'm doing now is my main hustle, right? You always take care of the main income, right? Until your side income can be big, bigger than your main income. But if you're not, if you're only sitting in one spot, you're in a very, very dangerous situation, which everybody just found out now at the time of this recording. Yep. Right? So if you're not building additional income streams, it's going to be very, very rough. And so it was just, it's one of those things where I go, look, if I can justify uh, spending a little bit of money to make a little bit of money, even if it's a wash, at least I've got another source that's coming in and then I can ramp it up and excel it. If you want to 10X it, 10X it. Yeah, because okay. if it's a wash and income stream number one goes bye-bye, at least you, you actually have income coming in. Right, and I could, could grab a little bit of savings and exponentially increase it. Yep. Right, because again, if it's a wash, that means you spend a little bit more in advertising, you will get to a point of ROI increasing. You just haven't found that threshold yet. And so, but you got to do it pretty quick. Call an expert like Mo and find out, you know, exactly what you need to do before you do it. Yeah. <laughs> but understand, we live in a day and age right now where almost anything you want to find is on YouTube. Right? There's 100%. people out there putting it. I, I learned so much just from Googling and YouTube. I learned how to do video editing, Photoshop, basic advertising, a lot of some advanced stuff. Yeah. Like people are just, they're, they're too Epicurean. And I've talked about this a lot. Like, I think we need to go back to being able to define that. Epicurean? 
yeah, do I, have to, do I have to stop now and go, Alexa, define no. experience? <laughs> yeah, could you? No. <laughs> We've gone soft. Oh, there we go. We've That's gone so soft. So much easier. So like, just, so when I worked at the brokerage and I was a marketing director, I would get agents coming to me all the time like, hey, how do I do this? I'm like, that is the simplest shit I have. Like, you can just, do you have a phone? Oh, how do I? Oh, there you go. It's right there. Ooh. Like the, the dumbest. Even if thing. it is an Android. Yeah. Even if it, <laughs> like the dumbest things, like the simplest, yeah. dumbest things. I'm like, that would have taken you three seconds. It took you longer to walk all the way down the hall to come into my office to ask me this dumb question than for you to just at your desk, pull it up on Google and you would have found your answer like that. It's just, I don't know what it is, but we're just, we're a lazier, we're a lazier people. Yeah. And have gone soft and just don't want to do anything. And like you said, like, you know, gratification, instant gratification. But I'll, I'll tell you that like my son had a, a mini Cooper, an old one that we bought him to be his first car. Right. And so he bought it and we only had the valet key that was on it. So then I order a key. It has to come from Germany. Right. And it's old. So nobody keeps it in stock. So they send it over to us. So it's pre-cut. And now you got to get it programmed. So I had him the dealership mail it to my son's address. He goes, hey, dad, I got the key. I said, great. So um, he was 17, 16, 17. I'm like, look, the dealership's not going to help you. You can't write a repair order because you're not an adult. I said, so ask your mom to um, go down with you to drop off the car. It'll cost 150 bucks to program it, right? They'll tell you it takes an hour, but it's probably going to take 12 minutes at the most, right? But they're going to charge you for an hour. And he's like, okay. I said, call, ask for this person. He goes, okay. Then he calls me back like 10 minutes later and he goes, okay, um, dad, do you have your iPad with you? I said, yeah. Now I'm in Sacramento and he's down in Southern California. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, okay, I just texted you a link to a video. He goes, I'm outside. I can't hold my phone, play the video and do the programming at the same time. And I'm like, what? And he goes, no, no, I found a video on YouTube. It only takes like three minutes. He's like, but going back and forth, he goes, can you just watch the video and tell me the steps so I can do it right now? And I, I open up the video and it's a guy going, okay, so you want to put the key in the ignition, turn it to position one, back to position zero, go back one to accessory, go forward all the way, but don't start the car, pull your turn signal three times, and then put the car back into zero position. So I'm like, okay, do this, 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 this. And he, he hits the button, you hear it go, chirp, chirp, locks the doors. He goes, thanks, dad. I'm good. Love you, bye. And I'm like... Wow, that just saved 150 bucks. And I was like, and it was just because his answer is everything's on YouTube. You need to know, Dad. Mm -hmm. Everything you need to know is on YouTube. And I was like, yeah, it so is. Right. I sit there in my car. And I'm like, oh, the battery died. The doors are hydraulic. Right. So they're all electric. So I'm like, well, how do I get this? And they're like, well, what you need to do is move, take off your license plate, go behind it. There's this little thing. If you put a, a screwdriver, a flathead screwdriver in, boom, it'll pop the trunk. That's where your battery is. And and I'm like, oh, I love the fact that I'm not towing it to, to the dealership. I'm not doing this. And I got a battery charger here. Let me just connect it and go go nuts. But again, everything's on there in YouTube. So you have no excuse. We've lost every excuse to be successful at this point, right? There's nothing preventing you other than yourself. 
no, you, you can build an eight figure business with your phone. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's, that's a stupid statement. Yeah, I agree. Like um, we were talking before about you can build your own training classes if you have an expertise. Mm-hmm. I just met, um, I was just introduced through Ken. So Ken, you met a little while ago, Ken Walls, right? <laughs> I got to meet Joe Soto. Oh, nice. Right? And so Joe Soto sits there while we do a live Zoom call. At the end, he looks down and he's like, wow, that was a pretty good hour. I made like eight grand in online sales courses that he's like, I didn't even run ads for these. I'm like, you made eight grand in an hour on something he did a year and a half ago, right? To help Ty Lopez or working with Ty Lopez mm-hmm. and stuff. But he's like, well, we, I have one course that we put together that um, has sold $40 million worth of sales, gross revenue. Yeah. I'm like, wow, right? That's, and I'm that's like, why I'm, that's part of the reason why I'm getting in this online course business is why I think you should too. I mean, my coach, they do a hundred grand a day in sales. That's awesome. Like that's just, and he's not unique. Right. Like that's that's the thing. Like he's not like, oh, he's just this real morale. There's a lot of guys doing that. You know, Absolutely. there's guys doing 40 grand a day. There's a guy's probably doing 150 grand a day, 200 grand. Like they're they're bonkers numbers. Like they're crazy. Right. You know? And that's what I always tell people, right? The best thing you can ever tell somebody is that when you when you start to make it, right? And mind you, making it is very relative. Right. Because, I mean, again, I laugh all the time, but I when I first got into the automotive business and I started working, and again, I busted my butt. You were I busted my butt. There was no personal life for me. Okay. And so it was it was literally just I gotta get to the top, I gotta get to the top, I gotta get to the top. And that's what I wanted to do. But when I used to talk to people and they're like, dude, you have no life. And I said, I understand. And they're like, I mean, how much money do you make? And I go, all I'll tell you is I make crazy money. And then I go, they're like, what? I go, let me change that. I make stupid money. (laughs) And they go, what does that mean? I go, it means if I told you what I make in a month, you would say, shut up, stupid. Because you can't see that from here. (laughs) Right? And they're they're like, what, what, what? You know, and a couple of people had to prove they were stupid. But other people, I just said, it's stupid money. Right? Yeah. We're all exchanging now you have social media. Now you have everything digital that's out there, right? At the time I was working, you know, we had analog marketing. Yeah, it was not a thing, right? Now there's digital marketing where you can have a cash machine that's generating money all night long, all week long, because we've all heard money, money doesn't sleep, right? So well, I want to make- It's funny that you mentioned that story. So the, the first year that I made like real money, mm-hmm. I- uh, we're, we're all being so nice and not mentioning yeah. it. Yeah. Prior, prior to the, prior to this, right. I like, I was always struggling. There was always like ups and downs, lots of, lots of valleys, less peaks. And, uh, my mom was always concerned. You know, my dad died when I was very young. She's always been overbearing and overprotective and almost like delusional, like a delusional optimist. And okay. I love her to, I love her to death, but still to this day, really, really funny story. But anyway, so she, she didn't believe like what I made. So I went to the bank and had them print up like, over, like the last six months of my bank statements. Uh-huh. Cause I was old school like that. And I wanted to go there and I wanted the book and the whole bit. So I take it to my mom and I'm opening it. I'm like, this is my account. 
This is what I'm making every single month. And she couldn't believe it. She thought that they were fake. Like she still doesn't believe it. A year ago, my mom randomly called me and said, hey, I heard that Costco is hiring. They're they're looking to pay $18 an hour or whatever. I'm like, do, oh, you, know who, like do you know who you're talking to right now? It's like, this is this is me. She goes, yeah, I know, they're, they're hiring. I'm like, you know that I have a successful business, mom. Well, yeah, but they're hiring right now. I'm not kidding. Like, I can't right, make but this she, up. She says, but that's stable. I can't, yeah, that's I cannot stable. make it up, dude. I yeah. cannot make it up. It blows my mind. I literally was dying of laughter. I'm it like, is awesome. And again, comes from such an innocent, good place. It does. It does. Right? Yeah. But it's just like she's stuck in that old mindset where if you don't have a guaranteed paycheck every single month, it's like you're, you're living fast and loose. Yeah. <laughs> right. When in reality, everyone that she's surrounded by are entrepreneurs. Her husband, my dad, was an entrepreneur. Her brother-in-laws are entrepreneurs. Like, that's what I don't get. <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm saying? I'm like, you've been around this your whole life. Like, how is this new for you? You know, because right. I think she still sees the kid that like was struggling, that lived in his car, that had all these, you know, he was always down on his luck. And all of a sudden now he has money. Like, it doesn't make any sense. No. I was the I was the failure of the family. I was the black sheep. So anyways, it's just funny to me <laughs> because your story just resonated. Oh, man. <laughs> stupid true. money. Stupid. So in, ca- in case anybody was trying to get some kind of sales tips out of this whole yeah. thing, right? Mm-hmm. Since I'm the sales genius. So the first thing I'm going to tell you, this is my slogan. You can look it up out there, right? I tell everybody, never be normal. Normal people get normal paychecks. Okay? So if you're going to do something, it takes an extra level of commitment to get you there. Okay. And so one of the things I'm going to throw out there and tell you that, uh, again, so let's look at you, Mo. How, how long is your sales cycle, right? Once you start talking to somebody about, now let's jump to the new thing, right? The, about their fitness goals and what they're doing. I don't have enough data. Okay. So for the agency, the normal sales cycle, once we start communication, it can be anywhere between three days and up to a month. A month. Okay. And so, but it's not a, it's not, you're talking for a whole month. No. Scheduling conversations, following up. Right. So right. hours wise, can we say it's with eight hours, 12 hours? Yeah. Eight hours, 12 hours. Eight hours, like eight hours across that month. Yeah. Or eight hours yeah. You meeting. know, case studies and testimonials and agreements and making addendums to those agreements. And sometimes the clients want to take it to their own attorneys because they want to it's just, yeah. So yeah, but your involvement, with <laughs> you, you and the prospect, eight hours is a safe bet. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to say 12. Okay. Cool. Why not? Right. We're going okay. to make it bigger. So it's 12 hours. So what I want you to understand is that for you to be successful and getting somebody to come across, you have to demonstrate that you are like them. Right. And so you have to share something that's in common with the individual. And I'm not talking, we love dogs. That's not what we're talking about, right? But it has to be something where you remind them of them, right? It's relatability. Because if I can't speak your language, I'm never going to give you money. I say this all the time. A confused mind will never click submit on any form. 
Right. Right. Whether it's to schedule an appointment to see if it'll work or anything. If they're confused, no. So messaging has to be absolutely simple and clear. Okay. And then I also want to say that Mo has his own personality. Right. We all share the same core personality traits. Okay. It's just which ones resonate the most with us. Okay. So we, everybody has all four, which means you can activate any of the ones you need. So if you need to be the leader, you can be the leader. If you need to be a follower, you could be the follower. Okay. If you need to be analytical, you can do that. If you need to be haphazard, you can do that too. Right. You can wing it, joke, have fun. So when you look at that, my thing to you is it doesn't matter what your natural resonating state is because it matters what the prospects is. Okay. So I need to be, and this is different. It's not, it's not, what do I need to be to sell them? The answer is who do I need to be for them to buy? Okay. So who do I have to be? What part of my personalities do I have to bring out to match theirs? Okay. So that they can feel comfortable with me to buy. Now I'm not saying lie. I'm not saying fake it. I'm saying bring out that person. Like I can actually build a spreadsheet. It's not anything that I really go, you know what, today I'm going to build a super duper spreadsheet that has formulas and visual basic. No, that's not what I do. But if I'm going to deal with somebody who's more analytical, I can bring out the analytical side of me and I can go in and do that. So I'm asking, can Mo bring out that part of his personality for those listening, insert your name where I said Mo. Okay. Can I, can I ask you to raise that analytical part of your personality for 10 hours for 12 hours? Right. And especially if it's 12 hours across 30 days in 30 days, can you utilize that part of your personality so that the client prospect can become a paying customer? Okay. As, as men, okay. I'm going to assume we're both, right? But as men, I'm going to tell you, we spent weeks pretending not to be ourselves just to acquire a date and and achieve things, right? So we, we put it in, we faked who we were for longer than that, right? Just to get to that point. And um, everybody does that. When I come into a relationship, I have to put up a front, right? The front is still you, but you're choosing to put things up into a different status than what your traditional resting place is. Right. Right. So my answer is why do so many people, especially in sales feel that the way I am is good enough. And if you can't take it, go buy from somebody else. Right. And I won't do that. I'm not going to do that. My answer is what, who do I have to be so that you feel comfortable to say, to say, say, yes, let's sign. Okay. So just to touch on that. So from that regard, it's more of identifying the personality type that you're speaking with. Yeah. Yeah. And again, can you put together, like we discussed earlier, can you put together a program that gets them to identify to you what their issue is? We can all walk into any company. I mean, the best thing I can do is walk in and go, you know what? If I walk into any company, I go, you know what? You're not selling enough. Right. And then is there anybody in business today that doesn't want more sales? No. No, because then you wouldn't be in business. Right? So no, if I said, if I said, 
you need more sales. Now, when I tell you that, right, depending on the personality type, you may turn around and go, shut up, I'm fine with sales, even though you want more sales, but because I told you you need it, your answer is no, I need to work on fulfillment more than I need more on sales. We have to focus on the back end side of the business more than the front end side of the business, blah, blah, blah. But that's because you didn't tell me you want more sales. I told you that you need more sales and any entrepreneur out there has the mentality of jumping off the, the cliff and growing wings. So if you're gonna go try to push me off the cliff, then I'm gonna fight everything that's that's coming out of your mouth. And so again, I mean I'm either gonna butt heads with you or I'm gonna change me because that's the only person I can change. I can't change the prospect. So just, I mean, I mean, mirroring is probably one of the most basic concepts of that, a fundamental concept. One of the, my favorite books was Daniel Pink. Forget the title, but um, he, he talks a lot about what, what you're mentioning and just different words. But uh, I think that's huge. I think a lot of people, me included, like when I, as I started getting sales, I started picking and choosing people that I wanted to work with. Now, part of that was a little bit of ego, but the humble side of me was I don't want to work with assholes as clients, like period. Like I don't, I choose not to, I don't need the money anymore. I mean, I want it, but I can pick and choose and I'll take a little bit more time to do so. But the same token, it's really important, especially if you're just starting out and moving forward is that, is that to reflect and to mirror the prospect. I think that a lot of people tend to want to just be like, well, fuck them. Like if they don't want, they don't like me then. And, and we take it personally. Right. Right. It becomes this like emotional defense mechanism instead of just looking at, Hey man, this is just business. Like we're just trying to do some, maybe a little bit of NLP, whatever the case may be. <clears throat> so what is something that they could do to stop that urge? So again, so I'm talking to you, Joe, you're yeah. starting to piss me off. I'm like, listen, motherfucker, <laughs> if you don't want right. to buy it from me, I'm done. Click. So before I get to that point, what can I do? So one of the things you, you have to be willing to walk away from something that's not a good fit. Okay. Okay. So the second thing I always do is I have somebody else that I don't like, particularly like that's in my industry. Okay. Okay. So I can refer them over and make an override. That's hilarious. So, right. So if I'm sitting with them, if I'm sitting with you mode, I'm like, dude, no, I'm just so not going to hire you as a client. Right. And that's the mindset I have is do I want is this person going to help me long term, not just short term mm -hmm. and be willing to look for a long term relationship instead of the short term. Sometimes you got to take short term, but I'll tell you, it'll bite you in the ass every time. It does. But what, what if what if the client is pretty nice? You're just not being able to convey it and you're just getting frustrated because they're not you're not listening to their language. So one of the things that I use a lot is what I call the feedback loop. Okay. Okay. So what happens is I say, okay, Mo, this is what we're, we're thinking. You say something back to me and then I'm going to go, okay, so Mo, what I heard from you, and I want you to correct me if I heard it wrong. What I heard was your goal is this, 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 and this. Okay. Right after they correct you and say, this is what it is. You now understand their language. Got it. Right. And I can modify this. But one of the things I really want to point out that's different because it works over the phone and it works in emails and it works in face to face. Right. So emails. The word, yeah. The words that a prospect is using is all deliberate. 
okay? Because it's words they use. So I need to utilize their wording back to them. Now, I don't mean bad punctuation. I don't mean when they caps lock in the middle of a word and it looks like they messed it up. That's not what I'm saying. But if somebody's saying, look, the, the reason I am interested in your training is because I'm looking for the impact on my sales team, right? To be positive and generate me this much more money. So then I'm going to come back with, well, the most impactful part of my training yeah. is this and this and this. So I know impact means something to them. Okay. If they say we used to work with a guy, he was awesome. Then I'm going to use the word awesome when I describe something I'm doing. Right. I would say, well, you know, what's really awesome about the online program we put together is this. So I will use their words. Now, if it's over the phone or face to face, I'll use their words. I'll match their tonality. Okay. And I will overall match the speed in which they speak, which most people forget. So if you talk slowly and I talk fast, we're not going to get there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you're going to keep saying what, and I'm trying to speed up to get to the end where I can go. Yes, I made a sale. Okay. And you're going to keep saying, I'm sorry, what can you repeat that? And then instinctually I'll slow down and go through. But if I had started slow, there wouldn't be that disconnect. That's going to leave them unconsciously uneasy with me when it comes to going forward. Cause their answer is going to be, I have to explain everything three times, right? I have to ask for further definition three times every time I ask him for something because he's not listening and he's not talking back to me the same way. So you got to match the speed, got to match the tone. So if we're sitting here, right, unless you get upset, right, you are pretty mellow in the way you speak. So I can't sit back and go, Mo, let me tell you what's going to happen today. We're going to jump in there. We're going to totally revitalize every department in your company. And we're going to push it through the roof. You're going to be going, shut up, Jack. Right? Last name, me off. But you're, you're going to sit back going, come on, man. Th- th- you're not the person for me. Right. So I have to meet you where you're at. Okay? Now, I like to amp up a little bit more. So I, I try to be an excited version of the person I'm talking to. Okay. Okay. And so that's what I look where you're at right now. That's what I'm doing. And I do it instinctually at this point, but the matching and mirroring and a lot of the mirroring conversations talk about physical movements compared to other people's movements. So I have to sit here and watch you and I have to play with it. Good thing. We both have rings on the hands that we're showing. Right. But yes, exactly. I'll just use my mouse. I got cigars. I could bust those out. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So when you look at that, right, the answer is, is that we try to mimic body movements, right, to build that. But you can go so much deeper, right? I can watch your shoulders to see when you're breathing. And I can match my breathing to yours. Yeah. (laughs) Good, but eventually you got to let it out. Yeah. But do you see what I'm saying? That is such a subtle way for you to unconsciously connect to somebody because you're you're remember your brain is doing all these comparisons all the time right okay so again if i just sat like this the whole interview we would not be relatable okay so i have to sit right i have to lean back maybe i have to do this and play like this because you do Right. Occasionally, I'm going to have to grab a comb, even though I don't have one, to brush my beard. 
while I'm talking, but everything I do is I'm watching you to see what it is you do. Now, eventually it becomes instinctual. Just like if you go to a job after you've been there for a month, guess what? You don't have to think about the drive home or the drive to work, right? It all becomes instinctual and becomes unconscious. Anything repetitive is unconscious. So if you focus on doing things for a certain period of time, and you continuously focus on it, your unconscious goes, oh, I get that. We want to do this all the time. Let me just drop this into an, a program that runs. And so all you have to do is sit down consistently until you don't. So you don't have to think about it. You realize you do it automatically. And That's so, gold, man. That's gold. I you know, I have people on interviews that tell me stuff they shouldn't tell me. Right. Because why I end up matching, mirroring and everything I do is becoming automated to I match them. So I they I remind them of who themselves. themselves and that's the person that they tell all their secrets to. And so I've had people to interview with me and they're like, well, this is going to be a lot of time commitment. And I'm actually juggling, juggling a couple women right now. And then they look at you and go, I don't know why I told you that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to sit here judgment free at this point in time. But I already know I got a guy who can't work the hours I need him to work, right? He's going to be tired every day. So he's going to be mentally drained. But it's again, they, they tell you stuff. Yeah. It's, it's the best truth serum out there is to remind them of them. The biggest compliment you can ever get from somebody is to say, if they look at you and go, you remind me of a younger me. Mm-hmm. Right. And as we get older, it's less people that can say that it's decreasing. Right. <laughs> I got I to gotta go look for somebody in their 70s. But you remind me of a younger me. Go to habitsofthefew.com. 